0: Thank you This is Bruce, this is John,
1: this is Blix,
2: and this is Trav.
1: Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, the podcast of TriTac Games, where we also talk about all kinds of interesting things that can be brought into your games from other things, D20 modules, Savage Worlds, all kinds of other things, because in the games of TriTac, anything is possible, and we don't have any prejudice against other games.
0: This week, we are answering a question from Eric Trout. A.K.A. Blind Geek from the Gutter Skypes and Monkeys took my jetpack.
1: We want to thank again all the people over at Gutter Skypes who have been doing a wonderful job of running a Fringeworthy demo with a whole bunch of adventures with people who've never seen Fringeworthy before and had a really great time of it. I really want to thank them again for doing that and for putting that out there. We hope that they'll give us an opportunity to let them into our games so they can see how we play it as well. Eric, otherwise known as Blind Geek, he's new. He got the games Hardware Hinterland and Weird Zone recently, and he wasn't quite sure how to start a campaign. What kind of ideas would there be for doing things? Because in Hardware Hinterland, What you have is the inside of a Dyson Sphere. We don't know that's what it is, but it's this flat, infinite plane, which has all these islands that are obviously artificial because they're square, and they're exactly 200 miles by 200 miles. And every one of them can have a different environmental area, that one could be really cold and icy, the next one could be tropical, uh, including freshwater lakes and some of them can be mountains and some of them can be deserts. There's no ecology that says why one island, or as they refer to them as environs, would be one versus another. This is clearly an artificial environment that you're in, which is great because that means that you have all kinds of possibilities from one uh, environ to another. So the question was, okay, so you've got this set of environs. How do you set up a campaign? What do you do? What do you suggest as far as you know bringing in a whole bunch of new players and starting them off?
0: He was worried about whether he starts someone Not as beginnings, not day zero people, but as several years later people. That is, they've been in the Hinterland and they would know stuff. Right. And that actually would be difficult. I would be the first to say the Hinterland has lots of information. You almost would have to give them the copy of the book to sit down and read. Right. Well, that's great, John, but that's not our topic tonight. No, it's not, but it, it does does affect, it. yeah, there's a lot of information to worry about. I think we should do that topic. I think we should do that maybe, you
1: know, next week or the week after, we should do that topic. Yeah. This week yes. is an introductory campaign for new players. Yes, that's true. Okay, now, I mean, you can play existing characters who have been on the, this world, but then you have to give a reason why they've all come together. I've laid out a small campaign which I'm gonna suggest to do. Now, I have not run this campaign, so there might be some problems with it, and maybe some of you guys who are hosting with me can come up with some good ideas for them. And I know, John, that you've got some ideas of your own. Yes. Let me start off with where I think would be a a good starting point. New Akron, since that's the place where a lot of people do show up and it is the default starting point in the descriptions that are in the actual source book, I figured that'd be a good spot. I thought you'd start with going to the salvage area to salvage a DC-3 so your group would have their own plane. Oh dear god, you had to go there with a small army! What we're talking about here is that there is a plane graveyard. The boneyard. It has hundreds, if not thousands, of DC-3s in various conditions. It is quite possible for you to go there and to salvage a DC-3 and put it into working condition based upon just the parts that are there or salvaging parts from other ones which are in worse condition. It is considered the personal territory of some of the wild men who live there. They are these feral aborigines, like Burning Man, dressed in in nothing but hides, hairy-chested, screaming in the night, doesn't seem to have any language or anything like that, and they attack relentlessly anybody who tries to take anything out of there. They worship this area or something along those lines. They're just extremely territorial. You have to fight them off. That would be the introductory thing that I would start off with. A little bit of combat, trying to get the parts, and also allowing you to build some cohesion with the other players because you're all working together in a stressful situation trying to get something done so that you can actually go on and have choices as to where you want to travel and where you want to adventure in the
3: hardwired hinterlands. Hey,
1: I got a question for you. Yeah. Planes seem
3: to be the way to get around. That seems to be the way it was written. Right, because it's too dangerous to use boats. Okay, so boats are definitely out of the question. Right. And that's because? There are
1: gigantic, feral, carnivorous sea creatures, either giant squids or killer whales of enormous size that just like to eat boats. And they'll crash themselves into your boat until they sink them. It's pretty much unlikely to be able to do that. So wusses, Whales of unusual size? Yes, whales of unusual size, indeed. (laughs) The carna whales. The carna whales, because they eat people, yeah.
2: Because usually whales
1: eat just plankton. In our world, killer whales are actually some of the smallest of the whales because they're really giant porpoises. But on this world, these are full-blown, big-ass sperm whales. I mean, they're huge, and they can easily crush in the side even a large ship. As long as you don't travel out into the deep water, they're actually somewhat playful. They'll actually nudge you back into shallow water if you get out too far and, and start having some trouble. So they're not always homicidal. It just appears like a lot of things in this game, a lot of creatures are extremely territorial. And if you think about the fact that each of these environs have these sheer environmental areas around their sides, that maybe there's just something built into this world that makes the animals, you know, the Denzians of it that are not intelligent. Assuming, of course, that the carna are not intelligent, and I'm not 100% sure about that. Everything is meant to stay in its spot. It may be that they were built to herd people back or at least discourage people from leaving their environs.
3: So, like, like the prisoner, there's big white balls in the prisoner.
1: Yeah, except these are big, you know, black you know, masses with giant teeth. And, you
2: know.
1: right. <laughs> yeah. right. So, yeah. yeah just, so, all right. Yeah, just, so, the point is that you want to fly. You definitely want to fly wherever you go. So that creates a barnstorming, wings-over-America-type society. You know, everyone is interested in flying. Most all of your communications has to come by planes. So you have cargo planes, rescue planes, survey planes. So back to New Akron. On New Akron, they have a center for new arrivals, people who have appeared as you do in the game where you just suddenly appear from your world and your time because people can pop in from all kinds of worlds and time into this hardwired hinterland. You get there to the school or whatever, you meet people and say, I like you guys, let's go and try to get ourselves a plane salvaged and go out and make a future for ourselves. And if nothing else, if we salvage a plane, we'll have something to sell and we'll have a lot of good staked uh, money to do something else, whatever it is we want to do. So while you're busy doing all this thing, at some point, one of you guys gets the idea to say, hey, why don't we try to see if we can find out where all these wild men are coming from? And you try to track one of the wild men back to his lair. And you succeed in doing this because this is all part of the prologue. You get to a lair and you have it out with the guy and afterwards you look through his stuff, and in there you find some old bones and a journal and an oddball. An oddball is a kind of a floating robot with one arm. It seems to be sitting there floating in the air in this hovel, and you find that it's hovering over top of this old journal. It, it looks this old uh, leather-bound book, and when you open it up, It turns out whoever wrote it was going from place to place, the various environs trying to find things or trying to get things made for something. And what you have here is a mystery, a sort of a MacGuffin. There's like five or six environs where things are going on, where you have information about where to go to find this object that this guy was interested in. He's some kind of professor who used to live on Earth and... He's been, you know, going around trying to do this project of his, this pet project. Unfortunately, he came to this area and got killed. And all that's left now is this oddball and his journal. The basic premise of the campaign is for you to complete this quest. It doesn't look like there's much. What he was trying to find here was, in fact, the oddball, which is sitting there over the journal. So at that point, you said, "Okay, we got this part. Now all we have to do is do all the rest. Uh, you don't have to do them in any particular order, though. If you look at the map that is in the book, if you follow the order in which I wrote them down and I'm going to discuss them, it actually forms a fairly good path through the environs to its final destination. So what do you guys think of that as a preliminary campaign? That sounds it, good.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is. sounds good. good. You have the common goal, which is the main, you know, a common uh, campaign arc. Sounds good so far, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the reason I thought of this was that every place you go, you're going to get rewarded. You're going to have a goal. Every environment you travel to, it's just not going to be you going there and saying, gee, I wonder what's going on in this environment. You actually have something to do. And while you do that, you can learn the nuances of each of those environments. Once you find this, you still have to get your DC-3 finished. This is assumed that one or more of you will have the ability to fly and have your pilot wings parts that you've been salvaging while you've been trying to get your plane together, also used to outfit the plane with fuel and other things like that. At that point, you're ready to go. So the first point of call is Ansem's kingdom, which is Environ number three on the map. The reason that you're going there is because he has commissioned a particular lightning crystal. The lightning crystal is a special crystal that when electricity is applied to it and it's configured in a certain apparatus... And attached to a plane will reduce the weight of the plane about 90%. So the plane becomes very, very light.
0: Reduces the weight of the plane by 90%. Yeah. I, is that what I just said? You sounded like well, you were saying 10% but the opposite direction.
1: It's only one-tenth of its original weight.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is important because in the hinterland, really good fuel is rare. Yeah. Most planes have been retrofitted for alcohol, and alcohol isn't anywhere near as good a fuel as regular airplane fuels. With the lightning of the plane by ninety percent, it's more than enough to, to be able to get you off the ground.
0: Most airplanes don't actually land like an airplane, they land more like a balloon. You you go to the field, you stall, and it's float to the ground. Considering that the runway is a piece of
1: grassy land, it's probably good that you don't have to land with the full weight of your aircraft under you anyways. Yeah. Either you'd rip your uh, landing gear off or you'd dig yourself a trench.
0: According to page 57 in the book, reduces inertia
1: and mass. It's not reducing the plane's size, which is the important thing. So you're going to Anson's kingdom where they found most of the lightning crystals to get a specially cut lightning crystal. He wanted it in a particular shape with a certain number of facets. That's very unusual. It's not normally done that way. And so when you get there, you find out that he's gotten one of the master crystal cutters to do this for him. But... There's a complication. Of course, there should always be a complication. The complication I added was the crystal cutter wants his freedom because in Anson's kingdom, people are slaves.
0: Well, serfs, same difference.
1: Serfs, slaves. He wants you to smuggle them out or something like that. But you could use something else. You've gone there. You're going to have to pay for the crystal somehow. Probably you won't be able to pay for the crystal. Also, going to Anson's kingdom gives you a wonderful opportunity to meet the air knights. Yep, which is an aristocracy of pilots. But that all goes along with that same kind of medieval society where the aristocracies are better than everybody else. So you might find your characters rubbing themselves right or wrong against these people because they are from a, a different kind of mental attitude.
2: If you've made any inroads with the air knights, well, let's face it, you kidnapping Anson's cheap crystal cutter out Guess what? You just made an enemy of people who probably fly their planes a lot better than you. So that'll bring in the chance to have air battles into the game with this established group of pilots. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's more tension in the campaign that you have that'll keep things going.
1: Conflict is good. Anything you do to add more conflict is going to make your campaign more interesting.
0: FringeWally The Game of Interdimensional Adventure from TriTag Games. Antarctica 2010. A Japanese research team finds a portal to alien and alternative Earths. Only one person in 100,000 has the special ability that lets them use the portal and travel the pathways to infinity. You are this person. You are the Fringeworthy. Fringeworthy is the first RPG of interdimensional adventure across millions of alternative Earths. Fringeworthy is available at Tritag Games at www.tritaggames.com fringe.htm A million, million worlds await you. Go visit them. That's your first stop.
1: Your second stop is Bruno's Vineyard, which is number 12. There you meet Bruno, or one of his vintners, and it turns out that this particular guy whose journal you're following has gotten a special batch of wine collected. There was a bad batch of wine he bought up himself. Got it all collected into barrels. At least that was what he commissioned to have happen. When you talk to these people, you find out that there was a real big problem with the wine. Whenever you pour the wine into a glass, the wine got warm. Not like normal temperature. I mean, it actually got warm.
0: Hmm. Reverse entropy wine. This wine
1: acts strangely, and for some reason, he wanted this. If you read the journal more, then you'll understand what it is that's going on. According to his journal, the wine reacts with iron. Since things are washed in water, and water has various mineral salts in it, even the amount of iron in the hard water that might be found on one of these islands was enough to cause an exothermic reaction and warm the wine. Well, of course, nobody wants wine that's, that's going to change temperature on them when they set it up to a certain temperature. Everyone thought that batch of wine was no good. But if you were to add more iron to it, then the wine starts to bubble. It could even burn, vaporize, possibly even explode. Sounds like
0: fuel to me. It sounds like maybe this could be used as some kind of a special fuel. He didn't call it, did you a grand family, Pinot Noir, did he? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am entirely
1: cribbing this idea here from the mouse on the moon. And it works really wonderfully in a kind of a low-tech, high-tech environment like the hardwired
3: hinterlands. So you're saying that you could make some kind of uh, wine slash iron powder fuel mixture thing that could... Right. Just use
0: iron pipes. No, no, because they eat through your pipe. Well, no, your iron pipes are at the very end of your rocket. Because you can use it for a rocket. It's just like, you know, boosh. I mean, your pipes would probably be burned up, but you, as long as you got iron pipe, you got propulsion.
3: You would get a faster reaction. you get a much better reaction if you use like, a fine-grain, like, powder, like iron filings or something. Oh, so, like, spray them together? Yeah, just spray them together into a chamber. That's quite possible. And you get like an explosive.
2: Yeah, if you're saying this is like a one-shot thing, you know, where if you're using the iron pipes and will burn them, wow, you have artillery.
1: Oh, Ooh, yeah. You should be real careful about saying this kind of information around people. If they find out that you have some form of high explosive, yeah, that could be of great interest to people.
0: Unfortunately, it was just one vintage, though,
1: however. Oh, well. But there's a considerable amount of it actually here. Yeah. And so you're going to have to transport it, which will be difficult and dangerous to do. And people will be interested in you taking all this effort to transport this so-called no-good wine. Why are you so interested in this? What's going on here?
0: At this point, you need a base of operations.
1: Not necessarily. I'm just saying is that there's going to be a lot of complications because you you might have been able to just slip in and grab the lightning crystal. This is going to take a little bit more of an operation to get this shipped out to your plane, get it in your plane, because you can't just put it into any old container because it reacts. Probably you're going to have to put it into glass containers. Once you know about the iron filings you know that you just need to wash them with distilled water require special transport special containers Mm -hmm. and that's going to raise the interest in what you're doing and that's going to cause complications this is a campaign idea so the GM should be free to add all kinds of complications get them involved in Bruno's vineyards
2: well here's the thing Anson's kingdom okay you've already gone in and walked off with one of his master crystal cutters right now you're finding out that these same people are now getting this rather poor quality wine and going through a lot of trouble transporting it. Uh-huh. That's raised some red flags with uh, King Ansom.
1: Anson's going to be looking for you. You're going to have to try to do this either quickly or keep it really on the QT as you do it. That's going to be a challenge for the players.
0: And Bruno's going to wonder why you want all those barrels of bad wine. Yeah, maybe he should be raising the price on those barrels of bad wine. Yeah, especially when they were actually for someone else. And here, you showing up trying to buy those racing barrels, because, you know, he's, Bruno's going to say, I'm holding it for so-and-so. Right. But you have the receipt. You have
1: the entry in the journal that says that it was commissioned by this guy, and
0: yeah, I don't know. Where is he?
1: Or maybe you can just simply go and say, well, fair salvage, good salvage. Here's the journal. Here's the receipt from New Akron, you know, giving us claim to the journal, and I don't think that you should be finding all these things paid for. Maybe they gave enough money to get the thing going. Maybe a deposit was put down. People, as they go through adventures, they gain money. They need something to spend it on. Yeah. All campaigns need something like this. Okay. So you have to get the wine and you have to get it together and get it on your plane. And at that point, you either can keep it on your plane or you can fly it to some neutral location But ultimately, you'd want it on your plane for the final leg of the journey, of course. But it would be nice at some point to set up some kind of a permanent base of operations. You're right. That's part of the campaign. Mostly, these are all the core environs. That's why I set it up as an introductory campaign so that people could go through and do this and not have to learn about the entire known world. Yeah. All right. So the next step is Little Kiev the journal refers to commissioning a shrine to Orthodox Christianity. And you go there, you find it's this big piece of wood that has places to hold snow globes of various religious scenes. And each of these snow globe locations are linked to each other by ribbons of pure silver that represents the journey of a righteous man. (laughs) here's this religious icon that's been created and you have to pay for it. And maybe it's already been completed because who knows how long that body's been there. All you found were bones. Maybe somebody has already collected that finished icon and you're going to have to get it from them. And maybe that's going to be difficult. So you might have to do some other minor quests or, you know, pony up the money or find something that they want. You know, that's all part of the GM's job to find something interesting for the players to do while they're trying to complete this quest.
0: The Patriarch says, we want to send a mission to uh, Wongo He wants you to haul a couple of monks to help set the mission to Wongo Okay. They'll it, give you the icon.
1: Well, that sounds like a good idea. Anybody else have some other ideas?
2: Side Sidetrecks are always good in a campaign. Yeah, you're going through this campaign arc, campaign arc. And after a while, people are going to go, well, I want to try this or I want to try this. And, I mean, we can go back to the main campaign arc. So, yeah, side trucks are always good to do something just to – Yeah. because if you're constantly going toward this goal, people are going to get tired of that when they're gaming. They just want that diversion so it keeps the main campaign arc, I guess, fresh for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. You still have that thrill of the hunt going.
1: Unless you have a lot of money, you're going to have to have these side arcs just to either gain money or to provide goods of a kind to trade with. Spam is always something they love to have in Atawango. So maybe you could bring some spam there Mm -hmm. and sell it for other things that they have and get yourself a little triangle route going and come back and finally earn enough money to get this. This is supposed to be more of an adventurous game. It's not supposed to be a true economic game where you actually have to justify
0: your inflow and outflow. It's not Traveler. You're not trying to pay off a mortgage (laughs) for 40 years.
3: You know, we like to bring the awesome to the podcast. How would you bring the awesome to a hardwired hinterland? What things would make it really awesome?
0: Looking at Bruce's campaign, there is a character, Sam Blackwell, also was known as Butcher Boy. He's a crime boss. He runs the crime syndicate's on five different environs he would get interested and he's a psychopath he understands that in hinterland you can threaten a person you can beat them up but they heal you break their arm it heals you cut their arm off it grows back so he basically threatens people with death because you know you can't come back from death well what you're saying is you got a great villain
3: you've got this really great dynamic villain and you can use him a lot He's a great pulp villain, complete with the rubbing of the hands and the muhaha.
1: To bring the awesome, I decided as the next leg was to incorporate one of the adventures in the Hardwired Hinterlands, Journey of the Air Beagle. Oh, yeah. Get the team going on that mission to the upside of the Hardwired
0: Hinterlands. Oh, because the guy, he was one of the people working on the Beagle, wasn't he?
1: He was involved in the planning stages. Having that journal would act as an introduction to a lot of the scientists. It would be a way of you getting involved because they say, well, if you have his journal and you're trying to do his work, well, then you're the kind of people we want on this project. Oh, yeah. And so you get to go on this rocket trip to the other side. And that's
2: pretty
0: awesome, I think. And if you are doing things like carrying cargoes and so forth, you may also get the intention of some sky pirates.
2: Butcher boy. Does he run Sky Piracy, or is that something separate from him?
0: The written up, he's more of an Al Capone than he is a Sky Pirate. So he's actually more dealing with drugs and numbers games okay. and things like okay.
3: that. Okay. With a pirate, if he comes after you, you'd be likely to see him. But being that he's more like a mob boss, if he comes after you, it's more like his boys you're going to be running into.
1: So the journal entry for the Air Beagle says, Must get on Air Beagle and get module from generator. Trying to get some kind of a module off of the generators on the Air Beagle? Boy, that could be hard. But ultimately, the idea is, is that when you actually go and fly over there and get to the upside and you meet the Frenchman, then you'll find out that he's got these three generators, Mega Max generators. They have some kind of a module, control module on them. Well, that's where it's going to be interesting you're getting your hands on one of those. You need one of these computer modules from one of the Mega Max generators. That's your quest on this. That might cause you to burn some bridges there. So now they've got themselves a lightning crystal, they've got themselves an oddball, they've got themselves some kind of a special, some kind of a potential fuel, and they've got some kind of strange religious piece of wood and, and metal and glass sculpture. Inlaid silver, yeah. The next spot is to go to New Pittsburgh. He's commissioned some specially manufactured tubing of high-temperature metals, which the local metalsmiths think is probably gonna be used in some kind of a weapon. He also commissioned a keg full of very high-grit ball bearings. High grit? As in very tiny. Oh, ah. Because in grit, the higher the number, the smaller the grains. He's got these really tiny round ball bearings would easily be able to go through some kind of a feed pipe. And you've got this wine that reacts explosively with iron. Ah. And that brings us to our final destination, Noram. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Noram is the futuristic environ that's left after some kind of a nuclear bomb went off. It's full of killer robots. I kind of wanted this to be the last stop because it's dangerous and by this time hopefully your adventurers are seasoned enough that they can handle this kind of thing. So after a very dangerous trek across it, you find the final hidden location that is unlocked by the oddball all this time, the oddball's been floating along with you. And if it's destroyed, there's actually a part of him that starts glowing. And if you take that part and stick it into another oddball, or a screwball, or even a madball, mm-hmm. it'll start following the journal again. If you do that, it doesn't change the aspects of, of the screwball and the madball, their personality aspects. So you have this thing that won't leave the journal, but now it's homicidal in case of a mad ball. <laughs> you might have some problems to deal with, but it will finally go and unlock this final location that you're going to and inside you find a nearly completed attack fighter. Oh. Yes, the wine and the ball bearings are to be some kind of a super jet fuel. The metal tubes are part of the maneuvering jets. That strange religious icon you got is the instrument panel. Where the globes are attached is where the instruments are supposed to go. And those silver lines and paths, the path of the Righteous Man, actually carry current to those instruments Oh! when it's mounted inside the cockpit of the fighter. Hmm. The lightning crystal, when installed into the fighter, gives it superior lightning capacity. So now you have an attack fighter that now can be used for when you go further out to protect your DC-3 and could even be used as a separate vehicle for other types of missions, more uh, dangerous missions. You could mount weapons on it. Mm -hmm. You could do whatever you wanted to with it. I added some additional complications of going to New Brasilia for rubber gaskets, for fuel pumps, or just for the engine itself. And Little Texas, of course, has lots of weapons, and you could get lubricants from the oil wells there, or... You could harvest a killer whale, which, John, in another podcast, you mentioned the fact that one of the best sources for, for fine-grade oil in the 1800s was whale oil. Yep. Yeah. Make a yeah. bunch
0: of friends with the kernel whales, yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I don't know about making friends with them. Yeah. And, of course, Little Texas would be a great place to find finely-tooled seat covers for the seats inside of that tack fighter.
0: With some modifications, you can probably turn it into a parasite fighter for your DC-3. As in, attached to it, right? Yes. Because ducking is real simple. You just simply slow down to near stall speed, and you throw a rope out and pull it down and latch it in place.
2: Yeah, you can do that type of stuff when you got lightning crystals going, yeah.
0: And that's the end of the
1: campaign arc. You get the fighter, you put the fighter together, and you fly it out of there. So that was the campaign that I thought of for fledgling GMs and fledgling players in this new game, Hardwired Hinterland. It takes you to a number of the environs that are in the center of the map, which are called the core environs. It gives you a quest to do at each location. And as you go, you're going to create friends and enemies and complications, opportunities for side quests. And when you're done, you now end up with something that can really make a difference to your further adventures. I hope you enjoyed this idea. Hopefully somebody will take up the mantle and run this campaign because I'd love to hear about your adventures doing this. We here at the Tri-Tech Games Podcast are more than happy to provide any support you need in order to do that. So you guys out there who want to go flying over the environs in a whole barnstorming type campaign, this is your chance. Here's a campaign. Here's your support team right here at the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Go to it. We're here for you.
0: Just a hard hinterland. Join us next time when we hear our host say...
1: This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them.
0: This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in.
3: And this is Blix. Remember, bullets speak louder than words.
2: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.